Ecclesiastes 4. And uh, I know you're all nice and comfy, but would you mind standing one last time as we read a few verses? Uh, chapter 4, verses 9, 10, 11, and 12. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, 10, 11, and 12. Let's read that together. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Amen. I want to talk this morning on being part of the right team. So let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, please encourage our hearts today. Help us to learn from uh, the scriptures, your words and principles. Our Father, we pray that you would please undertake for the students as they finish up their finals and help them to do so with joy. And already we pray for Glenn, we miss him already, and ask that you'd please bless him and his family as they fly out later tonight to the Philippines and keep them safe. Our dear Heavenly Father, help us thinking now about the team and help us to learn something about the importance of being part of the right team. And give us wisdom. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Please be seated. Well, I believe in being a team player, but there's something I believe in a bit more than that, and that's being part of the right team. You see, there's many teams you can associate yourself with, many different groups you can belong to, but not all of them will be good for you. I think you already realize this. And sometimes the crowd is not always right. Sometimes it's the smaller crowd that happens to be going the right way. And we can see this if you take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And let's see here. Verse 13, Matthew 7, 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And so here's a good example here of a, a large crowd, a large team per se, and they're certainly not right at this time, are they? They're going the wrong direction. Um, I'd like to show you maybe another team in this same chapter, another large crowd, a larger team, and they, they look like they got a lot going for them. A lot of exciting things are happening for them. They're going places, they're doing things but uh, they're, they're going to end up in disaster. It's at the end of chapter 7. Look at verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And so there's a large crowd there. Possibly it's speaking also of many modern day churches, maybe so-called. And they've got the crowds and they've got the, 
the money and they've got everything you could possibly think of. And uh, yet uh, they're going the wrong way. In the Old Testament, a guy named Korah, he developed a team and he withstood Moses. And he looked like he had a lot of good things going for him. And uh, he didn't end so well, did he? No, the, the ground under his church opened up and he was never seen of again. In the New Testament, you've got a church in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, the church of Laodicea. And uh, everyone, everyone preaches against Laodicea. Have you noticed that? The uh, conservative stayed, conservative churches preach against Laodicea. The uh, fiery um, fundamental preach against uh, Laodicea. The modern, worldly, modernistic uh, churches, the um, emergent churches preach against Laodicea. Everyone preaches against Laodicea. And yet the bottom line is that they were still one of the Lord's churches. Messed up, mind you. But uh, they had it good with lots of blessings and money and people. And yet uh, the Lord said, in truth, you're wretched, poor, miserable, blind, and naked. How about that? They didn't even know it. So what we're saying is that, you know, uh, the crowd's not always right. And speaking of crowds, um, we need to remember the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That means this, that if you hang with the wrong team, they will tear down what took you so long to build up all of the good character qualities, the Christ-likeness, the good habits. You just hang with the wrong team for a while and it'll, it'll all come to naught. You've heard my, my famous illustration of the man with the dirt pile in his backyard and he hated it. And he, he just despised dirt. There was this dirt pile. And so he one day thought he'd fix it. And so he bought himself a pair of pure white linen gloves and he was going to go play in the dirt, hoping that the dirt would become glovey. But in reality, the gloves became dirty. And that's what always happens. You hang with the wrong crowd, and eventually it rubs off on you. It's very true. Now, it's important that you join a team. But don't join a team because it's large, and don't join a team because it's small. Join a team that's the right team to join. That's what you want to join is the right one. Now, when Jesus was on earth, he formed a team, didn't he? And it was the right team to join. And it didn't take Peter, James, and John long to realize that this is the team that they wanted to be part of. And so they joined up. Billionaire Warren Buffett occasionally comes out with a few good things. And one thing he said was, uh, you will move in the direction of the people that you associate yourself with. I thought that was choice. Whoever you associate yourself with, that group of people, whatever direction they're moving, you will move with them. And so you need to be careful who you associate yourself with. Isn't that right? You want to join a team, that's important. But you want to join the right team. And I'm suggesting you do that. Find the right team, God's team for your life. And join up with that team. Don't be a lone ranger. Don't go it alone. Join a good team. Now the world knows the value of a good team. And uh, all you've got to do is uh, look at the advertisements for the movies and the Avengers. There's the team, right? With Captain America. How about a team like that? A team with Captain America and Iron Man. And uh, who else we got on there? Who? 
Hulk, yeah, Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, Tadak, no, Tadak. Wait a minute, how'd that get in there? There we are. But you know, even if even if you don't have superpowers, and you end up on a a, a, a team like the Avengers, even if you don't have superpowers, what's for sure is that what you do have will improve. Whenever you're playing with players that are better than you, you will improve. That's why hockey players always want to play with people that are better than them. Football players, the same. They want to play with people that are better than them. Why? So that they will improve. The value of a good team, very, very important. But you don't have to be part of the Avengers to be part of a good team. Let me tell you a story about two brothers that uh, worked on the family farm. One of the brothers was married, wife and children. The other brother was single. And they lived in separate houses, and they had a big field that separated them. <coughs> well, they shared everything. At the ends, end of the day, the brothers shared equally in the produce and the profits. And one day, the single brother said to himself, it's not right that we should share equally all of the produce and profits because, after all, I'm alone. I live single. My needs are very small. My brother, on the other hand, is married, he's a wife, and he's got children and responsibilities. And so each night, this single brother took a sack of grain from his own bin, and he crept across the field, and he uh, dumped it in his brother's bin. Well, meanwhile, the married brother, he said to himself, it's not right that my brother and I should share equally in the, uh, the produce and the profits. After all, I'm married and I have a, a wife to look after me and I've got uh, children for years to come. But my brother, he's alone. He's got no one, no one to take care of him for his future. And so each night he too took a sack of grain and crept across the field and dumped it in his brother's bin. And for years, both men were quite puzzled how their supply of grain never dwindled. And then one dark night, the two brothers bumped into each other uh, in the field, and it slowly dawned on them what was happening. And so they dropped their sacks, and they embraced each other. And teamwork is a win-win arrangement when the members are thinking about each other first. The teammate who gives credit to others often becomes credible himself. The teammate who serves others often becomes especially liked. The teammate who always thinks of others first becomes loved. It's important that you join a team. Join a team, but what kind of team are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a team of good churchgoers. I'm suggesting you hang with people who love to attend church. That that's not just their duty, it's their passion. Find a team of people that love to attend church. Hang with those people. I'm talking about a team of good soul winners. That's the hardest ministry in any church anywhere in the world. But it's the most rewarding. It's the most blessed of God. Find a bunch of people who love soul winning and hang with them. Fellowship with faithful soul winners because it'll rub off on you. I'm talking about a team of good prayer warriors as well. Stay close to people who know how to pray and who love to pray. And just a little research, a little digging, a few 
choice questions and you'll find out who the prayer warriors are and hang with those people. And by the way, please never ever underestimate the value of a good prayer warrior. Never underestimate what a prayer warrior can do for you. Charles Plum was uh, a U.S. fighter pilot during the Vietnam War. He was stationed on the carrier, the Kitty Hawk. He had flown 75 successful missions before he was finally shot down. And uh, from his burning plane, he ejected and parachuted into enemy hands where he spent the next six years in captivity. Well, after it was all over and he was released and he found his way back to America, a man came up to him and said, you're Charles Plum. You flew jet fighters in Vietnam with the aircraft carrier, the Kitty Hawk. And you, you were shot down and, and Plum was just plum amazed. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was confused, you know, who are you? How do you know about these things? And the man said, you know, he's quite a stranger too. And he said to him, back on the Kitty Hawk, I was the sailor that packed your parachute. And then the man shook his hand and he's, the, the, the sailor said to Plum, he says, I, I guess it worked. <laughs> and Plum assured him, yes, it worked. <laughs> he said, I would not be here today if it had not worked. And so um, Plum thought a lot about the man who held the fate of someone else and didn't even know it. He kept pondering how many times he might have seen this guy on the ship, Kitty Hawk, and paid no attention to him because after all, he was an ace fighter pilot and this other guy was just another sailor. And so you want to be part of a team of good prayer warriors. You'll, you'll never know the great prayer warriors because they don't wear signs that say, I'm a great prayer warrior. We never invite them up behind the pulpit. They never deliver stunning messages. They never perform in music or song, you know, and send shivers up our spine. These aren't the great prayer warriors who get alone with God for hours at a time. But you want to find them. And they're out there. And there's more than one. And you want to hang with them. Well, what are some of the benefits of being part of the right team? All right, if you're a note taker, take some notes. Note number one, the experience of the team. The team will have combined years of experience that you will never achieve. Um, I was reading the bio of... Uh, a small little two-man business, so to speak, and they had over 80 years of combined experience in what it was they were doing. Now you start getting a few more added to the group and you can see that you could have hundreds of years of experience. And chances are you will not have all of the answers to all of the problems and all the situations. But chances are someone in the group will have just the answer you need. And someone in your team will have just the experience, gone through the same experience that you're starting to go through. And they can offer you good counsel. And so take advantage of this experience and ask a few fellow team members his or her opinion 
on what it is you're going through, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And then uh, point number three, sorry, point number two. (laughs) That was point one, wasn't it? I can't count. That's one of my strengths. But point number two is the strength of the team. Boy, as far as math, you don't want me on your team, I guess. Now, truth is, the team has far more strength than any individual team member. Isn't that right? If I ask one of you to pick up this pew, you might try. You might get under it and try and lift it with your back, and you might be able to get it off the ground. But how easy it would be if all of you grabbed a hold, and all of a sudden, it's as light as a feather. The strength of the team And often it takes the strength of the combined team in order to accomplish a worthy goal. And again, uh, we go back to hockey. Imagine if hockey and football were played by one man. So you get a crowd of 50,000 people up there, and there's one guy here, and there's one guy over there. And this guy's given the puck. All right, go for it. Boy, there's not much of a game there, is it? One guy against another guy, or one guy with a football trying to run past the other guy and score a touchdown, we'd say, wow, (laughs) boy, that was exciting. In order to score the touchdowns and win the goals, you've got to have a team. It's not like golf, where you're out there all by yourself. There's times when you have to have the team. A small company... Uh, president took his 40 employees <coughs> to an empty gymnasium. He said, come with me. And they all got in the uh, company bus, and a big bus, and they went to the uh, gymnasium. And um, he wa- walked them into the large empty gymnasium, and on the, uh, the floor right there was 40 multicolor, fully inflated balloons. And he gave them each a magic marker. And he said, go find a balloon, pick a balloon, and I want you to write your first name on there. And one of the employees said, "Uh," he said, "Uh, Bob and I have the same first name. (laughs) Oh, okay, then put your first name and your last initial. Oh, okay, the initial of your last name. So anyhow, everyone was satisfied. And within a few minutes, everyone had their balloon and their name on it. Um, And then the president said, okay, give me back the pens. And he took the pens. He says, now, I want you to go to the middle of the the gymnasium and put your balloon on the floor. And they're all puzzled. They did it. Now, come on, let's go into the foyer and let's dine on Tim Hortons and Starbucks. And so, oh, yeah, they went into the the foyer part and they had um, a nice uh, Tim Hortons Starbucks. After about 10 minutes, the president said, okay, it's time. Let's go back into the gymnasium. All right, boss is paying, let's go. And so they all went back into the gymnasium. Only when they opened the doors, they were surprised. There were a thousand multicolored, fully inflated balloons sitting on the floor of the gymnasium. And the president said, okay, now I want you to all go out and find your own balloon. Find your own balloon. And uh, they had to plow through balloons and kick them and balloons were going everywhere. And they were looking and looking. After about 15 minutes, the uh, president blew the whistle. He says, time's up. Who's got their balloon? And they all looked. They couldn't find their balloon. He said, okay, now I'll give you 10 minutes. But what I want you to do is find someone else's balloon 
and take it to them. And so they started looking. Someone found Bob's balloon and went over and gave it to Bob. And someone found Bill's balloon and gave it to Bill. And someone found Jane's balloon and gave it to Jane. And within 10 minutes, everyone had their own balloon. And the moral of the story or the object lesson became obvious to everyone. That when you go it alone, you work on your own, not much, if anything, really gets accomplished. But when you work as a team, you can really move some mountains. So it's important that we understand the strength of the team, understand the experience sitting in the team, the strength of the team, and finally the protection of the team. That's point number three. Point number three, the protection of the team. Now, the team will protect you. Our college semester is uh, done. In two days, we're, we're over, it's finished. And uh, most of you will have four or five weeks of vacation. Um, Joanna, you'll have a little more than that. We'll miss you. But um, for the others, you'll have uh, more than a month of vacation. The thing is, if you're not part of a good team, a good team of people who love to go to church, a team of people who love soul winning, a team of people who love prayer, intercessory prayer, chances are you're going to cool off. The fire that the Lord has been building in your hearts is going to cool off and you might even end up in trouble. Now, maybe it won't happen, but I'm telling you, it does happen in Bible college students over the Christmas time, over the summertime. They're dangerous times unless we're careful. Be part, being part of a good team will help protect you and keep the fire in your heart for the Lord. I want to tell you a story about uh, an old man with three sons. And um, the three sons were, they all lived in a small village. Everyone knew each other. In small towns, everyone knows everyone and everyone knows what's going on. And these three sons, they never got along. They always fought with each other, you know, brothers. And so uh, they were hard workers, mind you, but they just fought. And the father tried many times to, to encourage them to be united, stay strong together. Ah, they didn't listen to what dad had to say. And um, finally, um, the old man thought that he would try and teach them a practical lesson so that they would throw off their differences and come together and unite. And so the old man, he called his sons together and he said, I have a little game for you. And they kind of looked, all right, what, what kind of game is this? And the old man said, I'll give each of you a bundle of sticks and I want you to separate each stick and you'll only have two minutes and I want you to break each stick into, into pieces and at the end of two minutes, whoever of you has broken their sticks into the most pieces will get a reward. And oh, a reward. Okay. And so the old man had three bundles of sticks and he gave these each bundle to, to his sons.
And uh, the old man took out his stopwatch and said, okay, go. And they went into these things and they were breaking them as furiously as they could into tiny little bits and pieces and so on. And at the end of two minutes, he said, okay, stop. <clears throat> well, the first things that the, that the boys did was they got into an argument as to who broke their sticks into the most pieces. That was the first thing that happened. And uh, the father said, wait, wait, the game isn't over yet, sons. And they looked up and they said, what do you mean? He said, now comes part two. And they thought, hmm. So the father brought out three more bundles of sticks. And each had a little, you know, twine around them and gave them to each of the sons. And he said, now you have two minutes Without unbundling the sticks, I want you to break the bundles into as many pieces as you can. You have two minutes. Go. Tick, 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 tick. And the boys, you know, were struggling and straining. And these bundles of sticks, they, oh, they're, they're getting pains in their hands and slivers and they're starting to sweat. Finally, time's up. And none of the boys were able to break the bundles of sticks. And so the old man said to them, Dear sons, you see that you could easily break the single sticks into many pieces, but you were not able to break the bundles. The sticks remained unified. And so if you stay unified, no one will be able to break you. But if you quarrel every time with your brothers, anyone can easily defeat you. He said, I beg you, stay unified. Finally, the light bulb went on and the boys seemed to understand the power of unity and they promised their father that whatever the problem, they would stay together. And this is the strength of the team. And the team will carry you during those times when you feel listless or tired or discouraged, the strength of the team will carry you along. Listen to this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Have you ever heard that before? David, have you ever heard those words before? Yes? Just wondering. You sure? You sure you're sure? All right, good. I'm glad you're sure. The message is don't go it alone. The message is Join up with a team. Now, maybe you already have a team or teams that you're part of. Don't let them go. Stay in there close. Be part of a team, but be part of the right team. And I think you'll have the greatest Christmas, New Year's in your life. Pray with me now. Dear loving Heavenly Father, thank you for all of your goodness. You are a good Heavenly Father, and we love you so much. And as we live for you and grow become more like Jesus day by day, month by month, and year by year. Lord, please help us to be uh, very unified in a team. 
to find the experience and the, the, the strength, uh, Lord. And actually, there's so many benefits of being part of a good team. I thank you so much for the students. They, see, they mean so much to me, Lord, and I love them. And I pray that you would just encourage them and bless them. Help them to finish off this week, this year, and every year until you call us home. Lord, this message is not just for a Christmas break. This message is for our lives, for the rest of our lives here on earth. Help us, Lord, to be everything you want us to be. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.